2019 is coming to an end. 2020 is about to start. Why are we taking what is normally the, the sermon slot to share all of these different stories and memories and highlights of what has been happening and how God has been moving in subtle, gentle ways, in, in really profound, life-changing ways, in our church and through the people and the ministries of the church. Why are we sharing these stories? Because we're from Northern Ireland, Ulster. And there's something in us that is hardwired to always focus on the negative thing. 100%. Those new shoes you got for Christmas that you wore to Christmas Day lunch that everybody around the table said, they are gorgeous. And then one person, probably your, your mother or your mother-in-law, said, why are you wearing those? What do you remember? Is it the 20 positive comments or is it that one negative, niggly comment? Are you like me? It's the negative you know, 20 people say, really enjoyed that sermon. One person goes to, or something like that. <laughs> what, what do I spend Sunday afternoon thinking about? It's the comment. Yeah, of course. And that's not to say I don't want proper feedback and critical feedback, but just the way we're wired. We focus on the negative, the, the wrong thing that was said, the negative thing that was said, or, or even worse, the thing that we sh thought should have been said that wasn't said. We focus on what hasn't been done, what we thought should have been done. We focus on the disappointment. We, we hold on to the unanswered prayer. And I'm not saying we should be naively optimistic. That's not what I'm saying. Because 2019 has been hard. I've had disappointments in my life. I've had unanswered prayers in my family. Many of you have known hardships have known illness, have known grief, have found yourselves praying prayers until you were exhausted. And those prayers still feel like they are unanswered. But for a moment, I want you to look at the shepherds in the story. It's okay to do this reading. Christmas is over, but technically Jesus was born and then the shepherds came to see him. So technically we celebrated Christmas on Wednesday and now we can zoom in on this because it happened after Christmas. So look at the shepherds for a moment. They have this job that in their society was, was a pretty rubbish job. They spent a lot of their time living out in the hills uh, effectively living as homeless people. They, they smelt bad. Their salaries were not great. They were the, the, the working class of the working class. They tended to be looked down on by other people. Worse than that, they lived at a time in history when Herod the Great was the king of Judea, and Herod the Great was a megalomaniac, who, who kept building these superstructures, palaces and aqueducts and harbors, all these massive achievements to show people how amazing he was. And he was able to do it because he kept raising taxes and raising taxes and raising taxes. And these poor shepherds who didn't get paid very much at all were being taxed to the hilt to pay 
for their king's selfish ambitions. They lived at a hard time in history. Worse than that, they were oppressed by the, Jew, or the, by the Roman nation. They were an occupied people. Rome was the, the governing force of that whole area. And whilst their day-to-day coming and going remained free, they, they didn't have complete freedom because Rome oppressed them with their views and their laws that impinged on their freedoms. And I I guess as well as that, for these shepherds, in a much more subtle way, they they were Jewish, they were part of the Hebrew nation, um, first talked about with Abraham and then given the law by Moses and were given this vision of kingship under King David. They they were supposed to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to be uh, blessed, to be a blessing to the whole world. They were meant to be God's chosen people from whom the rest of humanity would experience blessing. And yet, they just kept getting it wrong as a nation. They kept following other gods. They kept choosing to be selfish rather than trust God's sovereignty and His power. And again and again and again, they found themselves far from God, unfulfilled potential. They never lived up to the fullness of the invitation and the promise that God had for them as a people. Poor shepherds, eh? Not a lot to be optimistic about for them. They could have easily... uh, chosen to dwell in disappointment, to allow their hearts to become bitter, to allow their thinking to be filled with entitlements. Woe is me. Why shouldn't my life be better than this? But what I love in this story that Gary read for us, this Christmas story, the angels appeared to them in the fields. They told, angels told them about the birth of the Messiah, one that will bring good news and great joy to all people. They could have chosen to stay in the fields, dealing with all of the disappointment in their lives, all of the things that they felt were wrong, but they didn't. They made a decision, they made a choice to leave what they were doing and to go to Bethlehem, to the stable, to the manger, to the Messiah, to the Christ child. They made a decision to turn their eyes from all of the things that it felt like God wasn't doing and go to the place where God was moving and to focus on the prayers that God was answering and the thing that what God was doing in that moment. Does that make sense? They made a choice to look at what God was doing. That's a choice they made. And they had power to make that choice or not make that choice. That was a choice that they made to linger in the place where God was moving. And as they stood at the manger, as they gazed upon the Messiah, as they saw clearly how how the God of Scripture was moving in real time, in that moment in front of them, something happened. Their hearts began to fill with gratitude. In verse 20, it says, they left the stable praising God and thanking God and rejoicing in God in what he was doing. As they made a choice to focus on what God was doing, their hearts filled with gratitude, with praise. 
And that gratitude began to birth hope within them. Hope that the promises of Scripture, the promises of the prophets from long ago, were true. We're becoming a reality. And with it, the the understanding that if some of God's promises are true, then surely all of His promises are true. If what we see in this book in some places is true, then God, what He says is true, will come to pass. No promise will be left unfulfilled. Hope that the promises of Scripture were true. That gratitude began to birth hope. Hope that in the cultural moment that they lived in, that felt dark, that felt oppressive, that felt like their their influence as a people was shrinking, that felt like God hadn't forgotten about them, all those things that it seemed on the surface to be. In that moment when they chose to look at what God was doing, they encountered Emmanuel. Not just the promise of God, but the presence of God. God with them in that moment. God hadn't forgotten them. God hadn't left them in unanswered prayer and disappointment. God had come into their world, had come into their disappointment, had come into their grief, had come into their mess, and was right there with them. Emmanuel, God is with us. As they made a choice, to look at what God was doing. Gratitude turned to hope in their lives. And they couldn't contain the hope. It spilled out of them. It leaked out of them because as they, as they left that place, we were told that they, they told everybody the thing that the angel had told them. They told everybody the thing that they had seen. They told everybody how God was moving. They told everybody how the Christ had come. They told everybody because the hope that they contained, it just leaked out of them. It spilled out of them. And 2,000 years later, in Orangefield, in East Belfast, to a people they had never heard of or dreamt of, we continue to be impacted by their hope, by their gratitude, because they made a choice to focus on what God was doing. It's so easy to focus on what God's not doing. It's so easy to. It's so easy to linger in the place of disappointment and grief and fear and hopelessness. But this morning's service and the discipline of celebration, it starts with making a choice to look at where God is working where his promises have been fulfilled, where his presence has been with you, where he has answered prayers. And they mightn't have been all the prayers you prayed, but where has he been working and moving and with you? Because when you make a choice to turn your eyes to that moment, to that encounter, 
to that answered prayer. When you make that choice, something happens in your heart. Gratitude begins to fill. Thanksgiving begins to fill. Praise begins to fill. And with it comes hope. It sneaks in. And hope builds faith. And hope builds trust. And hope builds perseverance. And hope allows you to hold on going into 2020 saying, God, you are real. Your word is true. And I will trust you in spite of my circumstances. The the shepherds left the manger. They went back into the hills where they were still cold and lonely. They went back into the hills where they were still oppressed by Rome. They went back into the hills where they were still taxed to the hilt. Their circumstance hadn't changed, but guess what? Everything had changed for them. Everything had changed for them because they had chosen to look at what God was doing. And that's my encouragement. That's my prayer for you. We've had loads of stories shared. Let me share my story. My Orangefield 2019 highlight moment. There were so many I could pick from. We've seen dozens of people give their lives to Jesus this year. Trust him as Lord and Savior. Maybe in this church or through ministries of this church or by individuals just living faithfully as disciples. We've seen people learn to hear God's voice more clearly and step out in faith. We've seen wonderful events happen and friendships build through just one. We've seen so many things happen. But here's my story. Start of September, I was asked to go to the bowls to do the epilogue. And I went down and I stayed for the whole session. I played a couple of ends. Is that right, Richard? Ends? That's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a bowler. But I played a couple of ends um, with them. And I, I dip in and out of the bowls at different times. I, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy the crack. Um, and I was down last year doing the epilogue. But I'm here now a year and a half in the church. And I was down at the bowls, bowling, and something was different. They were slagging me off. They were teasing me. They were bantering with me. You pray for a better shot, Garth, that's shocking. They, they, they were giving me a hard time about it. And something clicked in my brain. I'm no longer the new minister. I'm no longer the stranger I'm part of the family. These people in this room have enough affection for me that they're willing to treat me like one of their own. And I stand on this stage and I talk about church being family every week. And we talk about church being family every week. But I think consciously that might have been the first moment that I realized that I was no longer the new minister and I was part of the Orangefield family. That was my... 2019 highlight, that the decision that we had made to trust God and to leave our life in Balamoni and come to Orangefield. We've seen loads of answer prayer, loads of things happen, but in that moment, it felt like home. It felt like family, and it's continued to. So thank you to the guys in the bowls, and thank you to all of you who have been part of that experience and journey uh, with us. I want to pray as we bring our service to a close. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing one song and then you're free to step into 2020 with hearts filled with gratitude. Let's bow our heads. And what I want you to do really simply is to try and sift through in your mind 
the negative and the frustration, try and sift through the pain and the grief. And I'm not saying ignore it, but try just to clear a little space through it, like you clear a space through the trees as you walk through it. And think of one thing that you're thankful for in this past year. Maybe it's something in Orangefield, a ministry you're part of, a conversation you've had, a time of prayer ministry. Maybe it's something in your family. Something in your career. Where have you seen God moving, God active? And you know what? It might be as simple as his presence giving you enough peace to endure the storm. It might be as simple as I'm still here, I'm still breathing, I'm still stepping forward. Because God's given me that strength. It might be as simple as this, that this baby that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago has been born in your life, that you are chosen, that you are loved, that you are forgiven. And everything in life seems hard, but, but that reality that God sees you and God knows you and God loves you is enough to say thank you for. Take a moment now Hold that memory with gratitude and just say thank you to God for it. Praise Him for it. As you do, allow that glow of gratitude just to warm your heart. Holy Spirit, come. Come into hearts that are filled with gratitude this morning and allow faith to rise. Allow trust to rise. Allow hope to rise. And as we step into 2020, Lord, put your words in our mouth. Put your, your, your vision, your dreams for this place in our minds. Show us how you want us to step out in faith with our families, in our places of work, in our street where we live. We are trusting you, God. We are believing in you for more in 2020. We pray for an awakening to your reality and to your kingdom in our souls, in our city, and in our land. And we step forward in a posture of gratitude.